Hello, and welcome to Cochlea. My name is Talon Stradley, and I am a recording arts student at Cal State Dominguez Hills. I learn a lot of cool things in my classes, and they say the best way to learn is to teach, so I made this show, a study guide for anyone who wants to learn about sound. Now, I know I keep saying we're going to talk about microphones, but we're just going to put that on the back burner for now. I have tests I need to study for that don't involve microphones, so I'm focusing on the subjects that I do need to study. I promise I'll record that episode sometime over the winter break. Instead, we're going to talk about one of my new favorite topics, converting physical analog audio to digital ones and zeros. Now, as we established in our first episode, sound is air physically moving in space. Our ears have evolved in such a way that allows us to distinguish certain frequencies, and our brain has decided to make sense of it all. For millions and millions of years, sound only existed in this physical space. But then computers came along. Today we'll be taking a look at how the physical medium of sound is turned into ones and zeros for our computers to store, manipulate, and reproduce. Let's say you are going to sit down and record a podcast. Maybe it's a fictional single narrator show about a collective of artists, or maybe it's a show that highlights the albums of local musicians, or maybe it's, I don't know, a podcast about sound. Whatever it is, at some point you need to record into a microphone. Chances are you're not recording to a multi-track tape machine. You're recording to Audacity or GarageBand or Pro Tools or whatever DAW you choose to work in. These DAWs, or digital audio workstations, are, well, digital. But the sound you're speaking is analog. That means in order to record the audio to your computer, you need an analog to digital converter. An analog to digital converter, or ADC, takes physical audio and turns it into digital data for the computer. If you're like me, you might use a Focusrite to get the job done. Or maybe you have a Blue Yeti USB mic. USB mics have the ADCs built into them so that you don't need to bother with any microphone cables. You just plug it in right into your computer and you're ready to go. Speaking of computers, they have ADCs too. And your phone. And your wireless earbuds and just about any kind of audio device that interacts with a computer. So, you have your microphone hooked up to your ADC and you speak the first lines of your podcast. The next step is for the ADC to sample your voice. Sampling is the act of taking little snippets of audio and measuring the amplitude of every frequency present. You can kind of picture this whole process as a connect the dots picture. The dots are your samples. You look at a picture and every so often you mark a point where you want a line. The more points you decide to mark, the better your end picture will be. In audio, we call this the sample rate, or how many samples your computer takes in a second. Sample rate affects digital audio in a bit of a unique way. You might think of low-quality audio as a kind of 8-bit distortion. Well, that kind of distortion has to do with bits, which we'll get into later on this episode. The kind of distortion we get from the sample rate is a bit more involved, and it actually was discovered before digital audio. Harry Nyquist was an electronic engineer who worked with telegraph technologies back in the 1920s. Through this work, he was able to discover what we now call the Nyquist frequency. He did this half a century before digital audio was even invented. The Nyquist frequency is a part of the Nyquist-Shannon sampling theorem. It works like this. Any frequency that occurs over half the sample rate will not be properly represented in digital audio. Instead, we will experience foldover, also known as aliasing. This is a type of distortion where frequencies appear in places where they are not supposed to due to a sampling rate that is too low. Let's look at an example. 
CDs operate at a sample rate of 44.1 kHz. The Nyquist frequency is where the foldover occurs. It is always at exactly half the sample rate. This means that a sample rate of 44.1 kHz will have the Nyquist frequency at 22.05 kHz. Any frequency higher than 22.05 will fold over. Let's listen to an extreme example. This is audio that has been put through an effects plugin that allows us to listen to it at a sample rate of just 1 kHz. I am simply playing an ascending sine wave, one note at a time, but you'll be hearing a second, lower note. That is foldover taking place right before our ears. Here it is. And here's what the audio should have sounded like. And here's the foldover again. As you can see, it isn't very pleasant. This is why it's important to make sure that your sample rate is at least twice as high than the highest frequency you plan to record. That's why CDs are at 44.1 kHz. Human hearing caps out at 20 kHz max, so this means that we can record anything we can hear and then some before foldover occurs. It is actually very easy to calculate what frequency the distortion will show up at. Picture you have a string laid out straight on a table. This represents the long line of frequencies. Now, place your finger somewhere on the string. Your finger represents the Nyquist frequency, or half the sample rate. If you grab the end of the string and quite literally fold it over your finger, you could see how aliasing works. The very end of the string, the end that you grabbed, is going to find itself at a point that is the same distance from the Nyquist frequency as where it started. Now, it's just on the other side. In the world of numbers, it looks like this. If I have a 44.1 kHz sample rate, that means my Nyquist frequency is at 22.05 kHz. Now if I record a frequency at 32.05 kHz, that means it is 10 kHz above the Nyquist frequency. The foldover frequency will appear the same distance, 10 kHz, below the Nyquist frequency. This means we would hear a phantom sound at 12.05 kHz. The higher the initial frequency, the lower its alias will be. Luckily for us, Mr. Harry Nyquist figured this out 100 years ago. Now we have technology to help mitigate this effect. First off, we record at high sample rates. CDs might be at 44.1 kHz, but we can now easily record at 48, 88.2, or even 96 kHz. While anything above 48 is likely overkill, technology keeps getting better and better, allowing us to record better digital audio. We also have something called an anti-aliasing filter. This is a simple filter that cuts everything above the Nyquist frequency. Just like the ADC, all of our technology has some kind of anti-aliasing filter to keep the foldover at bay. So that's just about everything about sample rate, Nyquist, and foldover, but there is still more to the analog to digital conversion process. The other major player here is bit depth. You might remember bits from our MIDI episode. If you haven't listened to that or you want a refresher, go back and give that a listen. We break down exactly what a bit is, how a byte operates, and a lot of other computer science-y things. 
If you listen to that episode, then you'd know that a bit is a series of ones and zeros that allow computers to count. Bits exponentially grow the more you have. In the case of today's topics, bits determine how many amplitude values each sample has. For example, 8-bit audio has just 256 amplitude values. This is why it sounds so crunchy and off. You really don't have a lot of data being sampled. 16-bit has 65,536 amplitude values. Much better. This is the level that CDs operate at. Most audio devices now support 24-bit audio, which jumps up to 16,777,216 amplitude values. And of course, technology is always improving, with 32-bit audio being available on most DAWs. In the end, bit depth determines how much dynamic range your recording can have. Every bit equals 6 decibels of audio. While you wouldn't want to play with the full 144 decibel range that 24-bit audio offers, it gives your recording that much more room to breathe. The final piece to the digital audio puzzle is the clock. And don't worry, this one is simple. It just keeps all of your digital devices synced up. You wouldn't want your computer and your focus rate operating at just marginally offset sampling rates. So this keeps everything nice and tidy. After that, you've got your digital audio. You can manipulate it, change it, edit it, whatever you'd like. When you're ready to hear it again, you're going to send it out to a digital to analog converter, or DAC, which then transfers it back into physical airwaves for your ears to hear. And that leads us to one last interesting point. It's a common misconception that audio is played back stair-stepped, meaning that the amplitude values just jump from value to value with nothing in between. Well, this does occur at the analog to digital conversion, it does not occur at the digital to analog conversion. When a sound is created in the physical world, it has infinite variables. Each frequency can have an amplitude of 1.091453865, etc, etc. But when we turn that into digital, we need to set a finite number. If the audio happens to fall in between two possible values, the computer will just have to round to the nearest recognized variable. This means that the audio recorded might not be an immaculate digitization. We call this quantization error. Luckily for us, we can have such good bit depth that this error is marginal, but it's always there. When we turn the data back into sound, however, we don't experience the same problem. Do you remember the connect the dots analogy? Well, if analog to digital is like placing the dots, then that means that digital to analog is like drawing the lines. Even though you have two dots that represent two specific points of data, you still physically have to draw a line connecting the two. The data didn't give you these variables in between, but it didn't need to. You had enough to properly recreate the image. Audio works the same way. By supplying the different amplitude values whenever it is physically played back through a speaker, it knows what's in between because that is how it has to work in the physical world. You might still get some distortion from that quantization error that we talked about earlier, but that's from the analog to digital. Assuming that you did everything right in your recording, playing it back will be identical to the actual physical sound your vocal cords made. And if your sample rate is high enough and you've got a good bit depth, you can draw just about any picture you want. Okay, that's a bit of a mixed metaphor, but you get the idea. That's it for this episode. I'm not going to make a promise about next episode because I'm heading into finals and who knows what I'll need to study. 
Coglia is a production of Newton's Dark Room. It was written, produced, and narrated by myself, Talon Stradley. If you want to connect with the show or have a question that you'd like us to answer, you can find us on Twitter at Cochleopod and Instagram at Newton's Dark Room. For more information on the Newton's Dark Room Audio Collective, visit newtonsdarkroom.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.